Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and I'm here today in beautiful Cluj, Romania. I've been reading this book on Taoism and longevity. You might be saying, Taoism, that's like a religion, isn't it? It's like a branch of Eastern spirituality. Yeah, it's kind of a religion. It's like a religion light. There's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no Ten Commandments. Mostly, it's just a lifestyle system for living a very vibrant, long life. And one of the things that kind of jumped out at me as I was reading this book, as I was getting myself first acquainted with Taoism, is that Taoism is a whole lot like the Force in Star Wars. Tons of parallels between how biohackers and practitioners of Taoism utilize these principles to empower our lives and between how the Jedi's would use the force in those classic movies. Minus, unfortunately, the lightsabers and minus the celibacy, fortunately. So the Taoist masters, over a really long period of time, they developed a methodology and a system for breathing that is really quite complex and it's a system for high performance breathing for nootropic breathing if you if you will imagine that you didn't have to take nootropics that you didn't have to take all those 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 powders and weigh things out and have bottles and bottles full of capsules of strange molecules to get into a really high performance state Imagine if you could do it just with breathing. And that's kind of what this is. But the Taoist system for breathing, it is a bit counterintuitive. That's why I wanted to do this video on it. And I think it's appropriate to say that this is how a Jedi would breathe. Hey, this is Jonathan. And as you can see, I'm here at the Acropolis in Athens, Greece. Something I thought was really interesting. The Greek word for breath has a bit of a religious metaphysical connotation to it. It also meant spirit or soul. And I thought that was very telling that in the linguistic heritage of our language, we have this association between this physiological process of breathing and between what the ancients understood as the most profound aspect of ourselves and our personhood. So let's get started. In the book, The Tao of Longevity, it says that in principle, breathing is a science, but in practice, it is an art. And most of us are chronically shallow breathers especially if we have some work or profession that involves doing stuff with technology or spending most of our day sitting we are really not breathing right and as you can see the system of breathing that the Taoists developed is a pretty complex series of steps within steps and it may be a little bit, little bit daunting at first. In fact, like many mindfulness practices, I suspect that the first couple of times that you do it, you'll find it difficult and boring. 
but after a little bit of practice, I think you'll find that it is pretty invigorating and easy. So I will suggest that as your first goal, as your uh, assignment for say the next week, that you try to achieve a level of competent, conscious competence with the four stages of breath control that I'm going to outline now. Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset. How to breathe like a Jedi. This is a podcast on Taoist breathing. I'll encourage you to actually do yourself a favor and listen to this podcast while you're going to sleep or in traffic or at the gym. Listen to it at a time when you can devote most of your when you can devote at least the simple majority of your attention to it. This one is, as you'll tell, as you'll be able to tell, is a a prepared article that I wrote that's based upon a book that's based upon quite a bit of personal research and self-experimentation that I've been doing on a topic. And it really will be worthwhile for you to Uh, devote a little bit of attention to it and probably also to take a look at the accompanying blog post article that goes with it. So I've been reading this book about Taoism and longevity, which I will quote extensively here. And I hope you don't think that I'm stealing material from this book because I I'm going to highly recommend that you read this book. Even with the amount of material that I'm going to quote from it, there's going to be a a significant benefit on your behalf of going and shelling out the $12 or $13 that I think this book costs on Amazon and taking the time to read it yourself. So some people might hear Taoism and say, isn't that like a religion? Isn't this like a branch of Eastern spirituality? Yeah, it's kind of a religion, but it's like religion light. There's no Ten Commandments. There's no heaven. There's no hell. Mostly it's a lifestyle system with the goal of living a long, vibrant life with some spiritual undertones. One of the things that becomes pretty obvious early on in the book is that Taoism is basically like the force from Star Wars. Minus the lightsabers, unfortunately, and minus the celibacy, fortunately. Taoist masters over a very long period of time developed a breathing technique that's very effective, proven, and a little counterintuitive. So I think it's appropriate to say that this is how a Jedi would breathe. To quote the book, In principle, breathing is a science, but in practice, it is an art. Getting started. Our default breathing is quite bad, especially if you spend all day sitting or relatively sedentary. You're probably a chronic shallow breather. And as you can see, this is a fairly complex system of breathing with steps within steps. I don't recommend you start by trying to implement everything. At first, you'll find that like a lot of 
mindfulness practices. The first few times you do this, you will be bad at it and you'll find it quite boring. You'll want to first get to a level of conscious competence with these four stages of breathing. So there's four essential stages of breath control. Stage number one is inhalation. Since you're going to be breathing every day, every minute, for the rest of your life, it's worthwhile to really granularly train your breathing technique. It starts with flaring your nostrils as you inhale. I suggest you spend your first couple of breath training sessions just focusing on flared nostril inhalations. And once that step becomes really automatic for you, add another step. And you'll notice if you actually focus consciously on, on opening up your nostrils, you'll notice that you are feeling just a bit more energized. If, for whatever reason, this results in, in Taoism, they say that it brings more chi into the body. And I'm not sure about all that, but you'll definitely notice that you are feeling more oxygenated. Quoting from the book, begin a slow inhalation through flared nostrils, drawing air deep down into the bottom of your lungs by expanding the diaphragm downward and letting the abdomen balloon. When the lower lungs are full, continue inhaling smoothly and let the rib cage expand to fill the mid lungs, then inhale a bit more to fill the top. It is not necessary or desirable to fill the lungs completely on each inhalation, and you should never force inhalation beyond comfortable capacity. About two-thirds full is the right measure for and inhalation. The final step in inhalation is to sink the big energy bubble of breath gently into the abdominal cavity. This will cause the abdominal wall to balloon out. And if you're like, energy bubble, what the heck are you talking about, man? You're going all woo-woo on me already. That just means to swallow. And yeah, you'll it does feel like an energy bubble is moving down maybe six inches in your body into that more of that abdominal area. Next step of breath control is retention. So uh, this is maybe the most important step actually is what I'm what I'm coming to understand and experience. And so at this point you're going to hold the breath for just a moment. After you've inhaled completely and let the breath sink, just hold it still for a few seconds. More specifically, quote, never force retention beyond natural capacity. Work with average retentions of three to five seconds. And after several months of regular practice, you may occasionally try a few retentions of seven to 10 seconds, unquote. And this is really beneficial, quote, 
Breath retention is complex, subtle, and of central importance to the efficacy of breathing exercises. Heartbeat slows by more than half, blood pressure is substantially reduced, and cellular respiration is triggered. Cells throughout the body start breathing by themselves, spontaneously breaking down sugars to release oxygen and automatically excreting cellular waste into the bloodstream for disposal. So this could maybe be termed mitochondrial breathing. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of cool catchphrases that we can, we can come up with to describe this kind of breathing. You'll know that you were doing this correctly if there's a noticeable increase in body heat and even perspiration after 15 to 20 minutes of cellular breathing. And I have a really cool, I have a, a inspirational anecdote that'll that'll hold off on a little bit in regards to this. I'll share it a little bit later. Quote, cellular respiration generates body heat. This is first felt in the lower abdomen, then spreads slowly to the extremities. Third stage, exhalation. Quote, empty the lungs in reverse order of inhalation. Start at the top and end at the bottom. At the end of Exhalation, pull the entire abdominal wall inward in order to push the diaphragm upward into the chest, unquote. So you kind of suck in your belly as you are exhaling, quote, in cold, dry weather, like what we get here in Kiev, Ukraine, exhalation should always be done through the nostrils in order to replenish heat and moisture borrowed from the turbinates on the way in. However, in warm, humid climates, you may opt for mouth exhalation, which enhances expulsion of toxins, permits more thorough evacuation of air, and helps dissipate excess body heat. So that's kind of interesting. So you can try this yourself if you're walking in a cold place outside, exhale through your nose and you'll retain some more body heat. That's what it's saying. This step should be conducted in a calm, metrical manner. Quote, if the breath tends to burst out in an explosive gust, it means you've retained too long. Unquote. Final stage of breath control is pause. Quote, when the lungs are completely empty, block the throat by closing the glottis so that air does not rush back into the vacuum left in your lungs. Now pause for a few seconds to permit the abdominal wall and diaphragm to relax again. Then slowly begin the next inhalation through the nose. If you have to gasp for the next inhalation, you have paused too long. So you'll notice throughout these steps that if your body is really, is really uh, 
urging you and if your your inhalations your exhalations are occurring really forcefully if you're gulping in air or if you're uh, coughing the air back out then you're elongating these steps longer than you should be this breathing is kind of like salsa dancing the book urges us to focus on rhythm and smooth transitions between steps Quote, it is not the duration or volume of breath retained that works such therapeutic wonders, but rather the smooth rhythmic regularity of the entire breathing process. And that's the four steps of the Taoist breathing technique, which I recommend you start practicing today. You'll soon reach a point where you can multitask while practicing your four-stage breath control. Personally, I like to practice my Taoist breathing while watching television, a documentary film, sitting in traffic, or showering. This is slower breathing. It's going to take anywhere from 20 to 40 seconds to go through the four steps. According to Taoism, quantity of breath can be reduced in lieu of quality. Quote, Taoists measure lifespan not by counting birthdays, but by counting breaths and heartbeats. Every breath and heartbeat saved now prolongs life later. Ideally, you want to devote 10 to 15 minutes daily to practicing breathing, but even if you just do it for a few minutes, it will improve your mindset. And your first goal that I'll give you should be to reach a state of cellular respiration, which you'll notice from the body heat you're generating after 10 to 15 minutes of this breathing pattern. And I've got a cool personal anecdote too illustrate this. I had moved into a new apartment here in Kiev, Ukraine, like I said, and the winter is coming. And this is a serious winter. This is the winter that defeated Napoleon and Hitler. And this new building that I had moved into was a big drafty building. And unfortunately, the air conditioning was not coming on for a couple of more days. And my room, my, my flat was really quite chilly. And I found myself having to wear a jacket or a big sweater whenever I was home there. And I went through a week where, honestly, I kind of went into a little, a little depression. You know, people talk about these, these rhythmical, episodic depressions that they go into, and there was something of a combination of really crazy news cycle and me doing a little bit too much information binging and me being in a newer city where I didn't have that many friends and... Um, a little bit of uh, bad luck, a couple of things not quite working out for me, and the changing of the seasons in a place where the weather really is detrimental on your psychology. I got myself into this pretty crappy funk of a mood where I just wasn't feeling real great about life. I was seeing the negative everywhere. <laughs> 
And one day I sat down to do my meditation anyways in my cold room here. And I did this breathing pattern. And I, I did it quite well. I focused on this breathing pattern for about 20 minutes. And I would say that about 14 or 15 minutes into it, I really did start feeling a whole lot more warm and energetic. And it really, not only did it have this uh, noticeable physiological effect on me, I really found myself getting into a classic flow state. And I've talked about before on my YouTube channel that I have some experience with flow states from a pretty young age because of uh, how religious I was in the past. I've, I've experienced that quintessential religious flow state that has inspired such faith in so many people over millennia, and it really is inspirational and remarkably just sitting on my couch doing meditation and doing this Taoist breathing, I reached a really sublime, nice flow state that put me at kind of like the, what do they call it, the bliss point, which is a term that actually comes from I think people that manufacture junk food, it's kind of a funny concept. It's this idea of the point where you are stimulated and you're getting that release of all those feel-good neurotransmitters to the optimum uh, height of the bell curve where you're getting maximum release of pleasurable neurotransmitters, but you are not being overstimulated. And they call it the bliss point. And from time to time, as a result of your biohacking, your exercise, your sex life, whatever, you reach this point. And, and I, I reached this point for probably about 10, 15 minutes. And I wasn't on any crazy drugs at the time or doing any crazy exercise or having crazy sex. We'll talk about that later. And I reached this really great state. And Remarkably, there was a certain degree of grace and happiness and just being able to fly above the cloudy weather that I brought with me from that flow state for, I'm going to say, a couple of days afterwards. And that's quite, that's quite remarkable that we have that level of antidepressant naturally available within us. So check out this article. I've got a kind of a cool photo there that breaks down a little bit of the chemistry of this cellular respiration that I'm talking about. The cosmonauts guru. So this is kind of a cool anecdote about the practical power of cellular respiration. Quote, in 1966, Russia invited Indian Prime Minister Nehru's personal guru, Swami Brahmachari, to Moscow to train Soviet cosmonauts in deep breathing techniques as preparation for prolonged space 
travel. This fact alone reflects how seriously the Russians take these matters. The Swami arrived in Moscow in midwinter wearing nothing but a thin cotton gown, while his hosts shivered on the tarmac in overcoats, fur hats, and woolen scarves. Concerned about the Swami's health, they immediately offered him an overcoat, but he politely declined, saying, I manufacture my own heat as I need it. His secret, breath control and cellular respiration. Try it for yourself, guys. Abdominal diaphragmatic breathing. There's quite an emphasis on using the belly and the diaphragm in these breathing methods. Quote, you will feel your lower abdomen swell up as you inhale. When the abdomen stops expanding, continue the inhalation and feel the ribcage expand as the mid lungs fill with air. Retain the breath for a few seconds, then begin a slow, long, controlled exhalation through the nose. This time you'll feel the rib cage sink first, followed by the contraction of the lower abdomen. This is the correct sensation of abdominal breathing." End quote. From a 2011 human placebo-controlled Italian study from the University of Camerino, in this study, we investigated the effects of diaphragmatic breathing on exercise-induced oxidative stress and the putative role of cortisol and melatonin hormones in this stress pathway. We monitored 16 athletes during an exhaustive training session. After the exercise, athletes were divided in two equivalent groups of eight subjects. Subjects of the study group spent one hour relaxing, performing diaphragmatic breathing, and concentrating on their breath in a quiet place. The other eight subjects represented the control group, spent the same time sitting in an equivalent quiet place. Results demonstrate that relaxation induced by diaphragmatic breathing increases the antioxidant defense status in athletes after exhaustive exercise. So that's cool. I'll also mention if your work and life entails a lot of sitting, maybe you sit in front of a computer all day, maybe you sit in a, in a car for hours and hours on end on a regular basis, You'll notice, especially if you do meditation, you'll notice that you have this solar plexus area of your body that just gets really, really tight. And this kind of breathing kind of, it, it really loosens that up. I find that if I'm having a day where I'm sitting at the computer all day, which I do try to avoid, but I can't always find a standing desk, if I have a day of sitting and then I follow it up with doing 15, 20 minutes of this type of exercise, boy, my, my, uh, my upper, ch my chest area, my solar plexus area, it feels so much better, so much more open. So this is doubly recommended to the geeks out there that are spending way too much time sitting in front of a computer. You know who you are. Moving on, the three locks, quote, they should be applied, the locks, 
should be applied toward the end of the inhalation stage, held during retention and released as exhalation commences. At first, you'll feel as awkward as Jar Jar Binks, squeezing and releasing your anal sphincter while breathing. And I suggest adding these locks consecutively. Add just one of the locks while you are going through the four stages. Once it's all relatively fluid and automatic, add another lock until you are doing all three with the graceful control of Qui-Gon Jinn's saber play to borrow from the, uh, the, those, 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 those odious Star Wars prequel movies that everyone seemed to hate so much. I didn't think they were that bad though. So that's right. What you're going to be doing essentially is you want to lock the openings to your body at the middle of the at the middle of this, these breath control stages that you are going through. And at first it's gonna be pretty tricky, but believe me, it gets easy pretty quickly. You know, this breath stuff, the other day I was talking to, I went out to dinner with some, uh, some young English guys actually, some college, some engineering students. And I was talking to them about salsa dancing. And being English, they, of course, made a bunch of really cheeky, self-effacing statements about how they never had any hope of learning to salsa dance and that they saw people doing it and it just looked, it just looked like a, an, an, uh, an Everest, Everest-esque task of, of learning that particular skill set. And I was like, not really, guys. This is one of these things that if you make a little bit of concerted effort, a little bit of focused effort, you put in a couple of sessions of, of 90, 90, 90 minute sessions trying to learn this skill set, you'll really surprise yourself with how quickly you reach a level of competence where you're having a lot of fun and it's benefiting you. And I will emphasize the exact same thing about this breathing method that I'm describing here. So let's start with the, the lock that is the most important. There's three, and that is the anal lock. And I just, the, 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 the 14-year-old, the, 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 the little bad boy in me that likes to, <laughs> he, he just can't stop uh, <laughs> he just can't say this with a straight face. But the anal lock is actually really important. It's, 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 it's worthwhile to master. That's, that's what we're going to be doing today. Quote, here's how to apply the anal lock. As inhalation reaches capacity, focus attention on the anus and contract the external sphincter ring. This is easy. Next, make a stronger, deeper, more deliberate contraction about an inch above the first. You will immediately feel a powerful contraction throughout the pelvic floor. This lock is very useful in other domains of Taoist practice, particularly for men mastering, talking to the gentleman now, mastering your anal sphincter 
will open the gates to boundless ethical hedonism. Does that intrigue you? Well, for now, I'm just going to advise you to practice your anal locks every time you are dropping the kids off at the pool, in the bathroom, every time you've, you've got a, a bowel movement going on. Practice your anal locks a couple of extra times in the, uh, the privacy and non-judgmental biohacker safe space that is your own bathroom. And if you're still a little bit mystified by what is an anal lock? How do I know if I'm, if I'm actually doing an anal lock right? I'll, I'll encourage you to try also in the privacy of your shower when you are, when you are taking a shower after you've uh, had a bowel movement or, or while, when your bowels are empty at some point, you know, and you're taking a shower, just take, take your little finger and uh, your little pinky finger and give yourself a little feel back there and contract and release, contract and release. Put your, put your finger in there. It fits in there. It's, it's, it's fairly natural. In fact, it's something that your uh, doctor should do from time to time to make sure that you don't get prostate cancer. And you'll quickly become uh, accustomed with what it feels like to contract and open both your inner and your outer sphincter, which, which again, really is important to this holistic Taoist lifestyle that, again, like I said, it's going to open up gates to boundless hedonism. More on that later. Next lock. This is the second lock, the abdominal lock. And I have a video also that you're going to want to check out. During the retention stage, you want to suck in and keep the belly tight exercising your stomach and abdominal muscles. Otherwise, you might end up looking like Jabba the Hutt. Quote, when the lungs are full, the diaphragm stretched and the anal lock applied, deliberately lower the lower portion of the abdominal wall. Deliberately draw the lower portion of the abdominal wall inward and this is the part that is below the navel unless the abdominal wall is locked during retention there is insufficient abdominal pressure to squeeze excess blood out again and consequently the organs may get congested with blood and this one also is just kind of important for your your appearance actually you've probably uh, depending upon your age, you may have experienced this for yourself or you've certainly seen it, which is that as men get a little bit older, even if they're not turning into, uh, even if they're not growing beer bellies as a result of poor diet and exercise, your, your men's stomachs start to, start to push out just a little bit just because of the, the, the way that the, uh, the, the muscles in that area of the body are working and and especially with this belly breathing you are you're sticking your belly out a lot so that you can so that you can have this uh, diaphragmatic process happening which flushes fresh air and oxygen throughout the body which is really beneficial but if you are 
just letting your belly really stick out there and as you are exhaling, that's gonna kind of become its default. And you'll notice that even though you're not like getting fat, gaining a lot of weight, you're gonna start to kind of have an, an obtrusive belly, which is, that's not what we want, that's not sexy, is it? So this is part of the reason why you wanna keep your abdominal wall locked and sucked in just a little bit as you are doing the retention stage and as you are doing the exhalation stage. And I have a video on the, on the article of a, a woman who knows what she's doing demonstrating this, actually. Third and final lock is the neck lock. For the few moments of the retention stage, your body should be airtight. And that's why you lock the exit door of your body with the anal lock, and you're going to lock the entryway of your respiration system by closing off the throat. To apply the neck lock, first contract the throat muscles and close the gloitus over the bronchial tubes. Then tuck the chin slightly in toward the throat without bending the neck forward. This locks the throat while simultaneously stretching the back of the neck. Be sure to keep shoulders relaxed, otherwise they will haunch up and tense the back of the neck. So that's the basic method that you want to be practicing. That's the basic Taoist breath control method and I'll go into some other some more specific techniques and pieces of information that I think are pretty interesting energetic breathing if you need a pick me up you can skip that red bowl or cup of coffee and instead focus on breathing in more rapidly after about 60 to 90 seconds of more forceful inhalation quote Make exhalation about twice as long as inhalation with a brief retention and a pause between stages. So I'll say, I'll say that again. If you want to become more energized, you want to make your inhalation about twice as rapid as your exhalation. And this is a biohack that once saved my life actually. When I was a teenager, I took scuba diving classes where they taught me to hold my breath for up to two minutes by hyperventilating before diving into the depths. And I went to a summer camp in Minnesota and I was showing off to girls, some girls, <laughs> how long I could hold my breath in the hot tub of the summer camp. One unlucky time, I passed out below the bubbling water while trying to set a new personal record. I had this pretty clever little thing that I would do is I'd, I would go to the hot tub and I had a, uh, a watch with a timer on it and I would go to some girls that I wanted to talk to and with a, a classically indirect yet Yet it turned out to be almost fatal opener, as they say. I would say, hey, can you time me with my watch while I hold my breath? And then I'd, then I'd, I'd give them the watch and have them hit the timer, and then I'd go under for, for two minutes, 
and then I'd come up and they'd be uh, pretty impressed, usually. However, one unlucky time, I passed out below the bubbling water while trying to set a new personal record, and they had to pull my unconscious body out of the water, and a very competent summer camp counselor performed CPR on me. I was pretty groggy for a few hours and had to spend a very expensive night in the local emergency room recovering. I returned to the summer camp and for the first time in my young life, I was a very, very popular guy. It turned out that this could have been a much more serious episode though. The hyperventilating flooded my bloodstream with oxygen that kept my brain alive while I was unconscious underneath the water. Moving on, warrior versus scholar breathing. Quote, to begin a session of meditation, it's a good idea to first stimulate the energy centers and get circulation moving with a few minutes of the forceful warrior's breath, then slip gently into the more passive scholar's breath, unquote. Warrior breathing. The warrior's breath is force, forceful, strong, and audible, and driven by powerful, deliberate contractions of the diaphragm and abdominal wall. Scholar breathing, on the other hand, quote, the scholar's breath is used primarily for meditation and practicing rhythmic breathing during ordinary activities, such as walking, working, etc. And I'll add to this, I have experimented with, uh, as you know, a lot of different brain training applications. And it seems to me that warrior's breathing, if, if I do warrior's breathing directly before doing a brain training session using dual end back mostly, I see a nice little uptick in my performance. So I would I would I would add that it's that it's fairly good for tasks that are really demanding of your working memory. You're going to want to uh, prime those and uh, asymmetrically use warrior breathing. You won't want to walk around all day doing warrior breathing. You'd end up uh, that 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 you, that sounds that would end up being pretty pretty disastrous. But using it uh, using it episodically a couple times throughout the day to give yourself a little bit of pickup to have a little bit more cognitive horsepower to really take on a task, it's going to be pretty great for that. Some other specific high-performance breathing methods worth practicing. First is the bellows. And Here's the technique, quote, start by forcefully expelling all air from the lungs with a strong contraction of the abdominal wall. So you suck it in. Immediately after expulsion of air, let lungs fill again naturally by virtue of the vacuum left inside and exert only a small additional effort to fill them about half full, so a pretty passive inhalation. 
focus entirely on abdominal exhalations that completely evacuate the lungs. No pause or retention of breath is involved in this exercise. When lungs are half full, immediately contract the abdominal wall again to forcefully expel another gust of air. Then let air flow back in and repeat continuously at a rate of about 20 breaths per minute. So that would be one every three seconds, more or less. So it's, it's, it's fairly rapid breathing, actually. And this is quintessential nootropic breathing. Quote, the bellows refreshes the brain by irrigating it with oxygen-rich blood. Vigorous exhalations set up a series of powerful waves throughout the circulatory system, and these waves travel up the carotid arteries to the brain. Note how lucid you feel after the bellows. Try it when you feel physically exhausted, mentally muddled, or emotionally upset. You'll be amazed at how quickly it restores equilibrium and boosts energy levels." Unquote. Next technique to try is fractional breathing, and I do include a video in the blog article for this. Quote, this is a good exercise for beginners to use in developing breath retention. Technique, for fractional inhalation, begin a deep abdominal inhalation, but stop when the lungs are only about one-fourth to one-third full. Apply the three locks, sink the breath down, and retain briefly. Then release locks, but instead of exhaling, continue the inhalation for another one-fourth to one-third increment. Pause, lock up, retain, release locks, and continue in this manner until lungs are full. Then do a long, complete, uninterrupted exhalation. So a little bit of a advanced technique there. The benefits of it though, this exercise quickly accustoms the novice to the techniques and sensations of breath retention and the three locks. The serial shifts in pressure and locks promote circulation of blood and energy and stimulate cellular respiration which causes body heat and benefits metabolism. Next technique, the great Tai Chi circle breath, and there's a video that goes with it. This highly fluid exercise synchronizes body, breath, mind, and balances yin and yang energies throughout the system. It is one of the best breathing exercises in the entire Taoist repertoire. repertoire for, for a guy who spent as much time as I have learning Latin languages, I should be able to say that word better. And if you practice only one breath control technique, this should be it. From a casual standing posture, bring hands together in front, below the navel, palms up with right hand cupped in left. Slow inhalation through flared nostrils. As you Inhale, 
raise slowly the hands out to the sides, palms up, and inscribe as wide a circle as possible as you raise them above your head. At the same time, slowly straighten the knees, hands raised above and lungs full at about the same time. Tuck in the pelvis and apply the three locks as you retain briefly and swallow audibly. Be sure to keep neck as stretched as possible despite the raising of the arms. Then release the locks and begin a slow controlled exhalation through the nose. At the same time, bring hands, palms down, slowly down in a straight line past face, throat, heart, solar plexus, navel, and back to the starting position while slowly bending the knees back into a semi-squat. Empty lungs with a final abdominal contraction. Pause to relax the abdominal wall, then turn palms upward. Again, cup them and begin another inhalation. Next technique, alternative nostril breathing. This exercise alternates the flow of air between the nostrils, which in turn balances the energy channels associated with right and left nostrils and right and left hemispheres of the brain. Technique, quote, empty lungs completely then take a deep breath through both nostrils and apply the three locks. Place the thumb of right hand firmly against the right nostril, fold index and middle fingers against the palm, then close off left nostril with the fourth and little fingers. With nostrils sealed, retain for three to five seconds. Now open the left nostril by releasing fingers from it, keeping the right nostril well sealed with the thumb, release the locks and begin a slow controlled exhalation entirely through the left nostril. Exhale completely, pause to relax abdomen, then begin a deep controlled inhalation through the open left nostril, keeping right side sealed. When lungs feel full, seal off left nostril. Again, apply locks, retain briefly, then open up the right nostril by removing the thumb, keeping left side shut, and begin controlled exhalation through the right side. Repeat at least a dozen times, six on each side, performing one complete inhalation and one complete exhalation on each side before switching nostrils. Benefits of this. Why, why would you want to do this? Alternate nostril breathing is a great way to clear the nasal passages and balance airflow between the nostrils. It balances right left hemisphere functions of the brain. Nasal membranes are exposed to far more concentrated doses of air when one nostril is shut. Much of the chi is transmitted directly to the brain and central nervous system by the olfactory nerves, giving the entire system a potent boost. Next method, vibratory breathing. This one's pretty cool. I, I really like this one, actually. I've started adding some ooms to my Jedi 
breathing. And here's the technique is you empty the lungs thoroughly, then take a comfortable deep breath and retain it briefly. Open the mouth and round the lips, keeping the throat partly blocked with the neck lock to baffle and slow down the exhalation. Then begin exhaling as you pronounce as deeply and resonantly as possible by controlling throat and vocal cords. You may prolong this, you may prolong this audible exhalation for a remarkably long time, you'll find about three quarters of the way through the exhalation, shut the mouth and continue exhaling through the nose, loudly humming the rest of the syllable nasally. And you want to do three to six of these at a session. And as far as benefits, quote, of all the syllables in the world, the one that provides the greatest therapeutic benefit in vibratory breathing is the ancient syllable OM. The vibrations travel up into the brain as well where they massage the brain cells. That, that just sounds really scientific, doesn't it? <laughs> Continuing. This in turn stimulates all branches of the central nervous system due to its proximity to the vibrating Larynx, the thyroid gland receives an especially strong stimulation, which enhances its secretions and balances metabolism. And I have to be honest, this is something that I am going to look up on PubMed. I, have, I, I cannot, at this point, quote from a recent piece of human research that would verify or, uh, or demystify this, however, I will add that doing oming for about 10, 15, 20 minutes, it, it does make me feel a, a whole lot better. And there's, there's got to be something to these spiritual traditions that are thousands of years old where people sit together and do this and they, they reach a great uh, state of spiritual and personal harmony. There's, there's got to be something to this. On, on a more practical level, especially for guys, there's, there's, there's a tendency with our voices, especially us English speakers, there's a tendency for us to have our voices go up at the end of sentences. And this is a particularly bad habit, isn't it, guys? We, we want our voices to go down at the end of sentences. You may have heard this referred to as a breaking rapport tonality. And it's something that uh, every you, you hear relationship gurus, you hear great seducers, you hear great business people, you hear it almost universally encouraged to have a tonality that's going down at the end of your sentences. And this oming while you're doing your 
breath control is a really great way to practice that. And I'll add what my personal regimen, what I've been doing is I've been doing my blue sky protocol for meditation that I did a uh, very thorough video on that I, or as well as podcast and article that I recommend you check out. I've been doing that blue sky protocol and throughout the blue sky protocol, I will do the four stages of breath control with the three locks that are being described here. And then at that final I'm sorry, not the final stage, but at the third stage of breath control, which is the exhalation, I've been doing this oming. And I, I feel I feel pretty good. This is this is kind of like one of these biohacks that's a real that, that's a whole lot more of a long-term biohack. That's one of these things that I think 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, I'm really gonna look back and be really, really happy that I did this to optimize the most essential, most uh, foundational biological process that we have, which is breathing, right? But in the short term, the, the primary benefits I've found is, yeah, just having a really clear head, having energy and motivation, as I mentioned, and occasionally, I haven't quite yet figured out how to make this like a 100% of the time thing, but as I mentioned, getting into some type of flow state at the end of this uh, meditation, mindfulness, breathing process that really gives me a degree of grace and happiness on getting started. So it's not a lot of fun practicing breathing. And if you're finding it difficult to devote 10 to 15 minutes daily to merely practicing breathing, I'd suggest devoting every other meditation session for the next two weeks to doing these breath exercises. And that will get you over the hump of conscious control and help you to habituate these breathing methods into your normal breathing practice. And I'm gonna recommend really, really highly, if you haven't already, get the app coach.me, which is a great gamification and, and tracking app for your healthy habits, and add the breathing exercise habit on coach.me and this will prompt you to check in daily to practicing this habit. And as I mentioned earlier, I do this in conjunction with my meditation. And what you'll find is at first when you start to do these things like meditation and brain training and breathing exercises and mindfulness and all this this biohacking stuff that we're talking about you're like god this is this is overwhelming how do how do you people find the time to to do all this and the truth is that as you get better and better at it and as you as you get over that conscious hump of competence with it you're able to stack uh, more and more of these things on top of 
each other. So you're, the amount of time that you're, that you're spending doing this is, it's, it's really not that great of, a, of an investment of time. I'll mention a product that's actually worth considering dropping a little bit of coin on if you, if you master what I'm talking about, if you get pretty good at what I'm talking about and you wanna take your, your breath hacking to the next level. And this is called the Power Lung Respiratory and Lung Strength Trainer. I've got a video that shows this off. And if you want to take this to the next level and you've got just a couple of more minutes daily to devote to it, you can use this device, which is kind of like resistance training for your lungs. And a paper by a Dr. Joseph A. Shepard explains that this device, the Power Lung, biohacks our breathing and allows us to reach peak respiratory flow. Quote, the results of the respiratory muscle training study showed that there was a significant improvement in total peak expiration flow spirometry by 36%. Resistance training of the respiratory muscles increases strength and endurance and the last phase of the testing with no power lung resistance muscle training validated that importance of regular and consistent training with that device. So that's kind of cool, isn't it? Well, Taoism has been around uh, for a long time and certain aspects of it have been validated by modern science. This breathing method is one of the most scientifically valid parts of it. If this interests you, I'll encourage you strongly to pick up the book that I quoted throughout this podcast by Daniel Reed. He goes really in-depth into uh, some of the stuff discussed. And if you've gotten, you've listened all the way to the end of this long podcast on breathing, and perhaps you're a little bit confused by the vibratory breathing, the warrior's breath, the scholar's breath, the, uh, the bellows, all these different techniques, all these different technical descriptions that I've given here. But my call to action to you would be just to get the breath control uh, thing added to your coach.me app and then start with the four stages and the three locks. And I've mentioned a couple times in here the anal lock and that that has some potential to be really helpful and useful to you in other areas of your life. And that is specifically in tantric semen control. That's right. This is kind of like no fab, but it's like no fab, but about 10,000 times more fun. So I'm just going to, if that intrigues you, if you're a guy, go on over to LimitlessOrgasms.com and I've got some more information there. It's, it's, it's a topic that is as complex, if not more complex than this breathing stuff that I'm talking about. However, this breathing stuff and the anal lock specifically is a foundational piece to tantric semen control. So go check out that URL 
and thanks for listening.